The Lead Story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. I'm joined by the Deputy Minister of Finance and Public Enterprises, Maureen Hindembuende. Where do our current state-owned enterprises' methodologies for assessing procurement systems lack? And how were these shortcomings identified? First of all, maybe the, the workshop was about assessing it. Eh? How to go about um, the, the whole mapping process. And it had identified those four pillars. But in terms of what the outcomes of that assessment is, the assessment have just started. The workshop was about preparing state-owned enterprises on the methodologies to be applied for assessment. Now, after being taken through the principles of how to go about it, that uh, ass- actual assessment has to be done. So they have to deal with the questionnaires, they have to understand their processes, how the um, issues around transparency is handled, how issues around beneficiation is ha- handled, and how impactful their procurement is. I think that process, the indication that I got is that would take any, anything from 9 to 18 months. But it goes with the reform implementation as well. It's not that the implementation will, of it will only be done after 18 months. For us to feel the impact or the difference thereof as they go along, deal with the adjustments or realignments or whatever is required to do that. What has necessitated the process, for example, is that it is true government has got procurement, so it spends money. Public enterprises also has got the procurement systems. However, if you compare to what we spent as government, as a collective, including the public enterprises, it is not reflective in our economy. You would agree with me that there's a lot of capital outfly. That's one. So meaning that a procurement is mainly, not only even from a supplier's perspective, but even from the tenderer's perspective, mainly people who keep their accounts elsewhere. So there is a lot of outflow of capital. Also, the systems that we have in terms of requirement for Namibian companies to participate, or maybe some reservations made for them. Still, you find a way that people will have briefcase companies. That would be tendering, yet they've got a joint venture company that takes the whole profit and even therefore procures wherever they want. So the, the process is expected to look at different factors. If you ask me what is my personal expectation, it is my expectation that we must also, in the procurement, in the mapping process, would ad- address the gap between legal requirements and the moral compass. When I say that, I, I specifically think about a four-year-old or five-year-old that is used to have a 51% local ownership because he's got a Namibian birth certificate. Now, in, in, in such a case, what are the processes, what are the requirements that we need to have in our procurement to prevent loopholes being exploited and to ensure that the spending of government has got economic impact? What benefit will the reformed procurement system hold for the SOEs in terms of efficiencies and effectiveness? Yeah, first of all, it is supposed to address the timelines, the procurement circle that it takes. It is supposed to look at maybe eliminating any 
bureaucracy that may be there. But also, we will have to find ways of ensuring that we get value for money, even in terms of financial efficiency, performance efficiency, and, and, and uh, economic efficiency. It is expected that it must improve uh, holistically the performance of an SME as well as their contribution to the GDP. Deputy Minister, will we see a uniform approach in all SOEs in as far as the procurement processes are concerned or only specific SOEs being looked at for the study or will it be a blanket approach to synchronise the systems of the entire SOE landscape in the country? I think there should be some flexibility because there are some uniqueness everywhere. But in terms of the processes, there should be some uniformity. But in terms of uh, some requirements, there is a need for flexibility to be built in. But even the flexibility must be predictable. Did the investigation also consider governance shortcomings? And if so, what has been identified on this front? I think it, it will all start there. It starts with oh, the basic issue is the governance shortcomings. That is what leads to the uh, loopholes that have been exploited. So um, some of the things being identified is like the issue around insider trading, where people make business of themselves. But what we also notice, even though public procurement is that in our case, when, for example, price fixing that happens, where people probably could be applying almost from the same point of different names, but then there's that legal loophole that people would use to say, but we're just using the same mailbox that they are using what. So we are hopeful that um, it will deal with the ethical issues as well. And the sensitization thereof is expected for general public that participates in tenderpreneuring to understand the economic impact, either positive or negative, of their, their behavior or their approach to tenderpreneuring. So which transparency features do you expect to be included in the update process through this exercise? I think it wouldn't be fair for me to predict the outcome because it's not only from the state-owned enterprises or for procurement in itself, but it is for the general public that participates in the procurement processes needs to be aware of the controls in the systems that has been put in place. So further conversation will definitely happen after mapping has come up with its recommendations and its findings. And I want to also take the opportunity to thank you for assisting us in raising the awareness that there is a need for us to have a second look on these processes and to build on confidence of the public because people also stop participating in these processes, in, in, in tendering processes because they've lost confidence that they think that it is predetermined who will get it and all that. Once the gaps have been identified and the recommendations have been assessed, what would be the next step in implementing these improvements? It will depend on what are the type of recommendations we get, whether there is uh, legal gaps, whether we need to strengthen our act, whether we need to uh, revisit the procedures or the regulations. I think all has to, or even PECA for that matter. So the recommendations will determine the steps. So some would probably uh, require the cabinet intervention, for example, or parliament intervention, for example. But others may just require boards to 
approve or disapprove or you know Becca in general to look at it. So it, 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 I think we will not have a one approach. We will have to consider what does the specific requirement have as a precondition to have a successful implementation thereof. Deputy Minister, just a last question. What is the ultimate aim of this exercise and what would success in this exercise look like? Its whole objective is to have better benefit or balanced benefit of this money that we all spend in this country. So for procurement purposes, because it is a reality that there is high rate of capital outflow. So capital flight money just goes out of the country. It doesn't stimulate the domestic economy. So in my point of view, that is the first one. Second one is to have more transparency and efficiency in terms of time, in terms of cost, um, like I said, financial, economic, and also in terms of public confidence. The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact.